the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The world is a complicated place. You need someone to expose the political fakers, fixers, and takers, and to cut through the mindless chatter and misdirection to help you make sense of it all. That person is Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show. Well, hello, everybody, and uh, welcome back to The Dan Proft Show. You can tell that this is not Dan, this is Scott. Scott Shelley, otherwise known as The Cow Guy. I've um, got the pleasure of sitting in for Dan. Dan is away on assignment somewhere either tropical or very important, um, but I'm, I'm filling in. I, I, you can catch me on Fox Business, TD Ameritrade, a bunch of other financial television shows, but I talk about public policy most of the time, and then a little bit of finance too. But We're joined today um, by my next guest, Dominic Green. Um, Dominic's uh, the life and arts editor of The Spectator and uh, a fellow of the well, I don't want to go. Why don't you tell us what that is, Dominic? I, I don't want to talk out of school, but I do actually have, <laughs> happen to have a British passport myself, which you'll probably be shocked about. Well, I, I am actually shocked, Scott. I thought when they gave you the passport, they explained that the <laughs> Royal Historical Society is a very serious right. body <laughs> that, you know, polices the historical profession. And it's true. If you, if you do a bit of original research and uh, made a contribution to it, they, they then say you remember. And on the, by doing that, they mean you have to pay them fifty pounds a year to keep your membership up. Uh, so it's a you know a licensing scam. But yeah, the Royal Historical <laughs> Society. I don't think any members of the royal family are directly involved. I've never seen any. You know, maybe they will. Well, I, you know, funny you say that actually, because I'm that re- it reminds me that I'm I'm a little late on my annual membership dues to a club that I'm a member of in London, which. Uh, Prince Philip is the president of the club, and that's the the Naval and Military Club in St James's Square there. So, um, ah, you'll yeah. be shocked to know that I'm actually a member there. The lockdown. Huh? That's great. I was there, in fact, for, uh, for a party a, a few weeks before the lockdown. All right. This was this was a sort of uh, an artsy literary party for a magazine called the Literary Review, and, sure. and you could see the expression on most of the members' faces as, <laughs> as you know we all arrived and were shocked to the reception. They were really quite disappointed. Well, yeah. When I open my mouth and I hear the American accent come down, too, I, I, I do get a lot of side side eyes too myself. So I have to kind of keep <laughs> keep it down a little bit. But it's a great place to stay for me when I'm in town, and I do go back a lot. I lived there for 16 years, so um, we've got a, a lot oh, of right, a lot right. of friends and and now relatives actually. So it's been uh, a large part of my professional life, actually, almost half of it. But uh, we've got um, I mean you've 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 got a lot that you've written about. But the, one of the interesting things is. Um, this legal decision that one um, Meghan Markle has 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 won. Uh, she, she's the better half of, I guess, the Harry and Meghan one-two punch. What are your thoughts? I mean, uh, it's gotten a lot of press, obviously, over there, but it also has in the states gotten a lot. Um, you know, it's been uh, one of the top three things that the networks have been leading off with. 
Well, I, I have to say, I, I'm amazed. Or rather, I'm not amazed. I'm amazed that, yet again, a British judge has come down on the side of a member of the royal family in a case which, if you or I brought it, I suspect would have gone the other way. Agreed. She claims that she had written a letter, you know, sent it to her father, in the expectation that it would remain private. But we know, I mean, this, Harry and Meghan have said this, in, in, you know, their, their lawyers have said that this letter was not simply written by Meghan and sent off to her dad, as you do, you know, when you send a private letter to a member of your family. This letter went through the PR people, it went through the lawyers, it contains all this phrasing that nobody would ever use when they were writing to their parents, <laughs> like, you know how the British tabloids are, yes. and all this, and uh, fake news and so on. This was obviously a, a semi-public, semi-legal statement. And, and part of the confusion here is that Meghan and Harry are insisting on being ordinary people and having the privacy rights of ordinary people, and on the other hand, they are also uh, living this very public, very staged, managed existence. And it's wonderful news that they're expecting a child. But if they then put that you know, out in this beautiful black and white photo that's on the front of all the papers and so on here in the UK at the moment, um, then you, know, you are public property in a way. The judge in this case, I mean, to my mind, is basically, you know, he was neglecting his job. Mm. It's simply the case that they conducted themselves as if they were managing a show business operation and this letter was sent out. And now they're complaining that uh, actually, no, we weren't public figures. Uh, if, if it's possible to appeal this, you know, you, they they will. But it's bad news for, for the rest of us. Right. And I would say... Look, as as popular as the crown has been over here, and I, I can't believe that I'm going to reference that, but I will. You know, it was clearly there's they. You know, Americans will now understand that these royals have handlers, right? They, this isn't something that you just pop in the post, right? It just doesn't happen like that. No, it isn't. I mean, each royal household, you know, all, basically it's a soap opera. It's the world's oldest soap opera, really. Um, each royal household, you know, each prince and duke and so on, they have their own PR team, right? Uh, and, and the PR teams are often spinning against each other. And, and there is a suggestion that because uh, one of the queen, Queen's granddaughters, who is the daughter of uh, the Duke of York and Sarah Ferguson, Princess Eugenie, delivered a baby just before the weekend, that, the, you know, that possibly the timing of the Meghan and Harry announcement was an attempt to you know, get the attention back. Uh. And it does go on. A lot of the time, there is this kind of competition between the households. But all of them, are acutely conscious of this. And, and again, to refer to the crown, I think in one way the, the latest series was a very good guide in, in the sense that they're enormously um, self-absorbed. And, yes. and, uh, particularly people like I mean, Prince Charles is a very good example. He is absolutely convinced that he should be the centre of his own little world uh, and that you know he has his minions, as the Queen calls them in the series, his minions making sure that the press are on side. It's a very, it's a very shabby business, really, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, I, obviously, I was born in America, and, and having lived in the UK, I've, I've got the British passport as well. But I, I have just this unique perspective on it, right? Because a large part of me, when I hear these these types of things, is probably does what a lot of other Americans do, like, oh, who cares, right? I mean, these people were born; they, they won the sperm lottery, as we would say over here. Um, and, and, and I'm not sure that Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II is familiar <laughs> with that, but, uh, but, but, you know, I think it does apply. Yeah. Yes, right. And then at the same time, because I'll, I'll flip sides and go over to your side of the argument, is that I, I get the feeling that he's, 
he's kind of it's like Duke of Windsor esque almost. Like he, I, you don't, you don't, because his brother is almost perfect. He's the one that the, is is the outward face of the of the of the firm, um, and and he's just kind of gone off on this back, you know, backstage kind of a thing like. Um, Prince Edward did back in the 30s and 40s. It yeah, just feels has, like it I feels think, like yeah. that to me, you know. Yeah, there's two problems. I think one problem is quality control, because you know, one generation to the next, you know, the quality it goes up and down. There's been some really, really duff, you know, kings and queens, and some really duff members of the royal family. The other thing is there's too many of them. That uh, in, you know, in the old days they came and went quite quickly. <laughs> but from you know the 19th century onwards, they seem to have now lived an awful long time. And so, you know, the the heir to the throne and the next one after that, they, there's kind of generations now, all backed up, all waiting for a seat, you know, on the throne. Um, and so you get the, these kind of man children, really, which is, is what yeah, the very good point. Yeah. It's, it, you know, they're they're behaving like adolescents. You know, I'm waiting for money to die. This is not, <laughs> that is not a job. It's, not, it's a terror, it's a curse, really, isn't it? Well, and that's pretty much the dilemma. Right, and when you think about it, this is where Americans really have to really kind of take stock, is that, you know, mummy has been queen of England for more than yeah. 25% of the age of America. Yeah, Mummy's first uh, prime minister, you know, was Winston Churchill. Yes, yes. So that, that, that puts it back. But look, there is a positive thing to be said for monarchy, which is that it tends to uh, control the kind of political passions that can attach themselves. Yes. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe anybody would attach political passion to Joe Biden. But you see what I mean. You yeah. know, if, if, if the symbol of the state is, is you know, unsatisfactory, then, then, you know, people will be... You know, deeply unhappy in the political division. If the symbol of the state is really got nothing to do with the day-to-day running of the thing, it's just an interesting soap opera most of the time. Well, then that actually, you know, gives people something to unite around. Yes. and, it, and it, it takes some of the steam out of political. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. And it felt like to me when I was there that it was they 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 um, they, they were the rudder in a rudderless society. You know, when yeah. things were kind of going off yeah. the rails. I think so. And the problem, in a way, is it is to do because there's too many of them. Um, someone like Prince Harry and like his dad, Prince Charles, they keep making their opinions felt. And, and nobody wants to know what nobody they think cares. about the environment or right. organic <laughs> gardens or right. architects. These are the sort of things that Prince, Prince Charles goes on about while he's waiting for the throne. And Prince Harry is like the woke prince of Bel Air. And he, he's telling us all not to fly <laughs> on private jets. I mean, to be honest, I ha- I'm still waiting for a chance. But, and this is a guy who does. Private jets. And it's always and and the kind of yeah, you, it's, it's that they're Hollywood affluent and they're talking to us uh, as if they're the man and woman in the street. And you know this is not going over well in Britain. And frankly, there are people who are better at doing that in the U.S. You know, there's a highly professional world of showbiz right. where people are already signalling their virtues and telling us off and using the wrong kind of paper bags. You know, we really don't need to hear it from them. All right, exactly right. Well, this is a perfect uh, chance to take uh, a quick break. Uh, make sure you come back with us in a minute here, Dominic. We're going to pay some bills. We'll be back after this. This is the Dan Proft Show.
Welcome back to the show. This is the Dan Prop Show, one of the smartest guys I know. I, I usually just hold um, the door for Dan and let him come in, but I've been, uh, no one else is going to make it through the snow today, so I've, I've got the job of sitting in the chair. Uh, my name is Scott Shelley. I'm the cow guy. It is snowing a lot here in Chicago. Um, I woke up to 10 inches this morning on the driveway, so um, it was a, a real joy to get, a, get in. But we're, we're, right now we're talking to Dominic Green. We've gone off, um, off the reservation a, a little bit, Dominic. Uh, we're talking about uh, Harry and Meghan and then maybe uh, Harry's father, uh, Prince Charles. And a lot of Americans, I mean, I was laughing before we went to break because I, I just keep on thinking about – I don't have any time to produce a watercolor, and somehow Prince Charles can do it all the time. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, where in yeah. my life at the age of fifty-five can I sit down and say, "Honey, um, I'll be out, the, I'll be out back painting a watercolor. Uh, come get me in four hours." I mean, it's just not happening. Yeah, he, he's apparently meant to be quite good. I mean, it's hard to know, right? Well, after all the one practice he's had, you better be. Yeah, one gets all the good reviews. No one's <laughs> going to say, you know, that's a load of rubbish. He sells them for charity. To be fair to him, he, he gives all the money to charity. Um, on the other hand, he keeps the money that he makes from selling things like marmalade and uh, cookies and so on. They're very good, I have to say. I mean, you know, Prince Charles's lines, Dutchy originals, they are excellent, to be fair to him. But um, it, it, he's, you know, he's monetizing his royalness, and um, you know, which I suppose is, is harmless in the way. I, I, I eat the marmalade. I think. It's well, that could be. Um, but. I would say that can be very democratic. If you don't like it, don't buy it, right? If you can sell it, yeah, good exactly. Luck to but I don't. I don't want to be told what to think uh, by him of all people. No, I don't even want to take lessons in drawing watercolors from it. Well, so, it, but it's very interesting about the um, and I'll, and it's still the, this the, the way it is here with uh, this news being one of the top three, if not the top things on. You know, it, it, it pushes the pandemic off top. You know, the, the number one story of the day is Harry and Meghan, and she's pregnant, and it comes out on Valentine's Day just like it did uh, Harry's mom, uh, Diana, Princess Diana. And it's interesting when, obviously, we can talk about them ad nauseum forever and ever, amen. But, uh, again, back to this thing, I just keep feeling like he's taking an alternative route and trying to be private but only when he wants to be in public, only when he wants to be. And he's trying to straddle two different worlds. And I end up thinking when I do that in my own private and personal or public life, I end up doing both of them poorly. What do you think? Yes, I find exactly that. I find that every time I go to Starbucks, there is someone with a telephoto lens up a palm tree half a mile away (laughs) taking that shot of me looking a bit portly and right. a bit, you know, <laughs> badly dressed. But, um, but no, seriously, this is the thing, right? In, in Britain, you know, the press uh, have a deal with the palace and there is all, you know, this legal pressure as well on them to behave. And so the royals in Britain do have a certain amount of privacy. Uh, but in the US, these are just two other famous people with too much money and time on their hands. And therefore, they are subject to exactly the same rules as any other American celebrity or rich person, which is, you know, you are allowed to take their photo. And they do play the game of making sure that their photo is taken in ways that, you know, make them look good or when they have something to push. So, you know, they, they've made a devil's bargain. And that's that. Uh, they, they rely upon being famous in order to get everything else that they, they want, which is to, you know, right. tell us all how to behave. And also to make a great deal of money with it, you know, making documentaries <laughs> for Netflix and so on. Well, that's, that's the nature of the bargain. So I don't believe that really that they have too much of a claim to privacy in this sense. They can't say turn the cameras on and off when it suits us. You know, you're well, either he, private or not private. And Harry claims that, you know, have been deeply damaged by the press hounding his mother. And yet he's all too happy yeah. to come over here and have the press hound him. I mean, I, I've never that's exactly it. I don't understand that. Yeah, there's something of nature of Greek tragedy about this. 
No, he's uh, like a, he's like a little, he's, hey, he's, to enter the situation that he's been trying to escape from all his life. You know, his right, he's like a little high school girl cutting himself, this. right? He's like he's cutting himself. Or yes, something. He, I don't, yeah, he is. He has found the very thing that he what he wished you know had not happened to his mother, and and he has found it through somebody who he says you know reminds him of his mother because of her humanitarianism and so on. I mean, you kind of wish that Sigmund Freud was writing for People magazine. <laughs> and, and you know, it would be he'd, he'd just get it straight away. He'd do a great job with it. Well, his brother and Kate have done. I mean, I think of you know they've held up their bargain and end of the bargain at least, and they're very royal. And there hasn't been, I don't think, to my yeah. knowledge, anything untowards that's happened to them. They've just kind of dutifully gone along their business and are probably viewed as the golden children in the family right now because. Uh, a lot would be hanging on uh, William's um, chest if if suddenly something happened to his father. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. Back um, they've been wiping the floor with Harry and Meghan. It has to be said, you know, they have gone, you know, to the nation's hearts by just basically being reliable parents of small children. You know, that's all they had to do. Yeah, they're like the accidental royalists. They've just kind of backed into it by just behaving, right? And they and yeah, they haven't done anything yeah. done anything too crazy. I found that very interesting because, I, I, again, I go back to that Duke of Windsor because it just feels like Harry and, and Meghan are just kind of feeling their way through. This has never been done before. They've got a foot in both camps, and when that happens, you don't do you know either one of them very well. And now we've got this legal opinion. And you're right. If I know that they've got handlers, and this has been gone through the wash with all the handlers. Yet it's supposed to be private. I mean, it's just there's this is just going to keep going on. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It I mean, is. I'm afraid that they have. You know, as you know, when when someone flips you off, you don't necessarily want to get into it with them unless you're prepared to escalate it. And they have, you know, basically declared war on British tabloids, who are, of course, highly professional. And their job is to, you know, get those photos, get those stories. And um, this this is going to be a very cruel and nasty uh, fight. And it's not, you know, I mean, Princess Diana famously, you know, tried to, to control the process and strike a deal and so on. Um, this isn't going to be like that now. This is an open declaration, basically, from Meghan and Harry saying, you cannot practice your job as you would like. And we're going to use every means at our disposal to make sure that you can't. And that the papers will only respond to that for what it is, which is a threat to their sales figures, to their existence. And so, you know, when they come back to Britain, they're not going to be cheered by the press. They're, they're going to be subject exactly to the full of this. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's going to leave a mark, right? That's what we would say here in the States. Like, you yep. just you just can't unring that bell, right? I mean... No, and uh, they've chosen this. They've chosen to fight it out. They could just have risen above it, because everybody knows today's newspaper, as they say in England, is tomorrow's chip paper. You know, you wrap fish and chips in yesterday's newspaper. Right. It's possible for the royals to rise above it. As often they do, the Queen does not ring up you know, when the BBC has someone on with an opinion about it, she doesn't ring up and say, you know, I disagree. This is what really happens. You know, you, you, you roll with it. Right, the same reason that Tom Cruise does not <laughs> ring up and complain. Right, I have a press pass. And one thing I learned, I have an English press pass, right? So hmm. you can get through the barriers at Downing Street and, and the likes. And one thing I did learn is they don't give any oxygen to any story no matter how bad it is they just let it live and die and get wrapped with the fish and chips the next day they don't dispute they just let it go 
Yeah, and, and this is one thing that has happened to the royal family, which has become a form of entertainment rather mm-hmm. than just a symbol. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's happened also, you know, across the board in the way that a lot of politics, a lot of public life has been turned into uh, sort of entertainment, a WWF kind of face-off. Right, right. Well, if Harry and Meghan want to get in the ring with the papers, they will lose because they have more to lose. And I don't and, think... And, it, I, and it'll be unpleasant. I, I, you know what? This has been fantastic, Dominic. I don't think they know that, though, but we're going to have to leave it there. I, I, I keep trying to tell them. I keep <laughs> right. Give him a bell on his cell phone. He'll, he'll answer, I'm sure. Well, thank you, Dominic, for taking the time with us. It's Dominic Green. He's the life and arts editor of The Spectator. Thanks very much for your time today, Dominic. Thank you, Scott. All right. Crisscrossed in the wrong direction Found myself in a conversation From a missed connection Exposing political fakers, fixers, and takers He's Dan Proft And this is The Dan Proft Show